Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace." When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. Well, good morning, Covenant Church. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Morning to you guys who are online as well. Well, I bet last year on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2019, when you guys were ringing in the new year and thinking about 2020 and all the good things that were ahead of us, you had no earthly idea what you were in for, right? And I'm not even talking about the pandemic anymore. I'm talking about hurricanes without end, fires that are consuming millions of acres, riots in our land, uh, unrest, division in our country, election chaos, and the list goes on and on. And so 2020 is a year where it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to lose hope. And if things couldn't get any worse this year, the Jaguars, they're one in nine, Jerry. (laughs) They're one in nine. (laughs) Yes. Well, Proverbs 13, 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think for some of us this morning, we're a little bit sick in the heart as we think about what 2020 has done this past year. Hope is essential for us as human beings. Dr. Shannon Edwards says it like this, She's quoting the Brookings Institution. The researchers there tell us that deaths of despair occur among people who lack hope for the future, have high levels of stress and worry, very limited social ties and poor health due to diabetes, obesity, or heart disease. Of all the markers though, lack of hope for the future stands out as the most important sign of vulnerability to deaths of despair. They explain that suicides occur more often among people who are not optimistic about their future. Suicide is about a loss of hope. It's about a loss of hope. You know, God has wired us as human beings to have hope for the future. It's vital, it's essential to us as humans. And when we lose hope, some of us, we cease to have a reason to go on living. And so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about hope, and we want to distinguish hope from a worldly hope. 
And we know in the world's terms, when we think about hope, it's looking forward in the future to something that maybe we expect will be fulfilled, right? But we want to look at how the Bible talks about hope and what characterizes biblical hope, what sets it apart from worldly hope. Hebrews 6.11 says this, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. And in this very short scripture, we learn a couple characteristics about biblical hope. Why is it different? Well, biblical hope has a full assurance, has certainty, has confidence. You know that it's going to happen. And the second thing we learn about biblical hope is that it lasts. It lasts until the very end. And so that's the type of hope that God desires for his people. Biblical hope then desires something good for the future. It's confident that it will happen and it lasts until it is fulfilled. So it's more than just wishful thinking. It's more than just thinking to yourself, I hope next season the Jaguars go to the Super Bowl, right? Where's the confidence in that kind of statement? <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry about that, Jerry. Uh, yeah. 2020. 2020 has challenged our hope. It has. And for that original audience there in Micah, it challenged their hope as well. And so it's important for us when we jump into Micah chapter 5 to understand a little bit about what was going on in the life of Israel, right? If we don't understand it, we're going to get confused about what the prophet is saying. It would be like someone picking up a newspaper 2,700 years from now in the year 4,720. They probably don't have newspapers. They probably have some virtual way of getting this information. But picking up that information, reading an editorial, and, and finding out this. Kids in 2020, for the first time, in large numbers, are learning virtually. What's that? You know, I'm, I'm sure 2,700 from, years from now, they're going to have a way to learn that is much easier, right? You lay your head on your pillow and somehow all this information gets downloaded in your brain overnight and then you're good to go. Um, that person is going to read other things. He's going to read that our churches are half full. He's going to read about Disney World and find out that it was closed for months on end. I mean, what would happen that would cause the happiest place on planet Earth to be closed for months at a time? And what about the Macy's Day Parade? Who, who, who saw that? Anybody? That's a tradition in our family. That was very strange. If you saw it, you'll know that it was strange because well, the Macy's Day Parade was held, but there was no one there to watch it. Very strange. And how about this? In 2020, toilet paper, of all things, was in high demand. <laughs> what is going on with those people 2,000 years ago? Did they have some kind of bowel disease that they <laughs> needed to stockpile toilet paper? So you see why it's important. It's important for us to understand when we look at a scripture that's 2,700 years ago to understand what's going on in the life of Israel so that we can understand when Micah is saying these words, what are these people dealing with? Well, in Micah, we're going to jump to the very first verse in the very first chapter of Micah and read this. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Morsheth, 
in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. And right there, we learn a lot of things about what's going on. Because of those kings, we know this occurs roughly about 700 B.C., roughly. You know, Micah's ministering a little bit before that, a little bit after that. And in the life of Israel, there's, there's a lot happening. And, and one of the significant things that was happening is in the northern kingdom of Israel, Samaria would fall. That whole northern kingdom would be taken away. That happened in 722 BC. And then a little over 100 years in the future, Micah's going to be talking about exile for the southern kingdom of Babylon. So there's rough times that are happening in the life of these Israelites. And now let's go to our first verse in chapter 5 of our scripture today. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. And we learn from this verse something even more. Siege is laid And because this is around 700 B.C., we know that the prophet is talking about the siege of Jerusalem by the Assyrians. So we've got some rough things that are happening in the life of Israel. Uh, There's more. If you read the first several chapters of Micah, you're going to learn a little bit more about socially what's going on, what's going on culturally. Uh, We don't have time to jump into all that, but let me just summarize really quickly for you. Um, The poor and the weak, they were being marginalized. They were being taken advantage of by the rich. The leaders of the land, they they were weak. They were corrupt. They were evil. And the people had gone after serving false gods and not the one true God. And so there was a general lack of security. There was a general lack of peace in the land. And so now we're going to fast forward 2,700 years in the future to our day and just think about us and how does this apply? How does this apply? Do we have similar circumstances? We're not not being laid siege to. Uh, We do have national threats. Um, Maybe they're not immediate. We do have in our land the poor and the marginalized, and maybe the church today has not done a great job of seeing that they're ministered to. We do have poor leaders in our land, don't we? I mean, if you've lived here in Brevard, if you've lived here in Palm Bay for the last 10 years, you know a little bit about political corruption. We have that as well. And so like those Israelites in the days of Micah, we need a, we need a word of hope. We need a promise of better days. And so we're going to unpack this idea of hope this morning. If you're taking an outline, I'm going to give you three things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about hope's timeline, We're going to talk about hope's false objects, and we're going to talk about hope's true object. Timeline, false objects, and hope's true object. Well, let's jump in and talk about hope's timeline. I'm going to say this right off the bat. It's not as close as you may think or as you may want. And this will turn out to be a very good thing. It's going to turn out to be a good thing. So hang with me. In Micah chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon. And there it is. 
There it is, the prediction, 130 years or so in the future. This is what's waiting for you, Babylon. And he describes the nation as in labor. And we've had a few ladies give, give birth recently. They were afflicted. They were groaning. And it might make you think a little bit about our land, our beloved land. Maybe we're in labor right now. But realize this. That original audience that Micah was speaking to, they would never see days of hope, right? And their sons and daughters and generations later, some of them would go into exile for roughly 70 years. And imagine that. Can you imagine going into exile and your entire life, that's all you know, away from your homeland, stripped away from your homeland? Where is the hope? You're, wow, you're thinking, this is a bummer, Brian. I thought we are going to talk about the timeline of hope. The point Micah is trying to make is it's not right there. It's not immediate. It's not right there. It's not near term. Maybe you find yourself in that situation this morning. You don't have an immediate near term hope. Well, Micah is going to point his audience forward in time. And in verse 2, he says this, But you... O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from days of old, from ancient days. Now, think about this. I said this took place around 700 BC, so he's talking about a hope. He's talking about something that's 700 years in the future. Right? We know this as the advent. We know this is the birth of Christ. But he's pointing them way beyond the exile. He's pointing them to something that would, they would never actually see themselves. None would see that day of hope. And then a couple verses later, in verse 4 and 5, the prophet says this, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. The prophet is now pointing his people to something beyond that 700 years. He's pointing to something that's 2,700 years and still counting, still waiting. He's pointing to that day when Jesus' name would be made great to the ends of the earth, when God's people would dwell in ultimate security and ultimate peace. And so what is the timeline of hope that Micah is trying to give us? What is the timeline of hope? Israel's hope was way beyond their lifetime. Our hope also needs to be beyond our lifetime. And I know this goes beyond our instant, immediate gratification culture. Brothers and sisters, hope that does not last beyond your lifetime is no hope at all. The type of hope we need is a hope that lasts beyond the grave. If we don't have that type of hope, at one time or another in this lifetime, the brokenness, the brokenness, and it's all around us, and we're feeling it a lot this year, it's gonna crush us. So we need hope that goes beyond the grave. Well, let's look now. We're going to move from the timeline. We're going to look at hope's false objects, and I want to give you three of them this morning. Don't put your hope in earthly leaders. 
Don't put your hope in earthly kingdoms. And finally, don't put your hope in anything earthly for that matter, anything that is temporary. In chapter 4, verse 9, Micah says this, Now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished that pain seized you like a woman in labor? What is he talking about? I mean, they had kings. They had counselors. But he's saying it as if they didn't have them. And we know when we look at the kings of Israel, that list of kings, that by and large, pretty much every one of them, except for maybe one or two, were evil. And when we look at the kings of Judah, well, there's a mixture of good and bad. But even the good kings had issues. For example, the the king Hezekiah that was mentioned in in chapter 1, verse 1, around the time of Micah, uh, God calls him a good king, a righteous king. But even the righteous kings, they fail to keep covenant perfectly with God. Hezekiah acted foolishly. Hezekiah was proud. He trusted in military alliances, and he didn't trust solely in the Lord. And what do all these kings have in common? Well, they're all dead. They're all dead. Even the good kings don't last forever. And what about the false prophets of the day? It's, it's pretty easy. If you take a, a read through the minor prophets and the major prophets, you're going to see that the true prophets ran up against a lot of opposition. And the false prophets, what were they doing? They were promising, instead of saying, yes, Assyria is going to take over the northern kingdom, Assyria is going to lay siege to Jerusalem, Babylon is going to take you over and exile you, they were saying, oh no, it's going to be peace, it's going to be good times, prosperity, don't worry about that. Does it sound like the prophets of today? You know, I think about, it makes me think about the prosperity preachers of today who are promising near-term peace, near-term health, near-term wealth, prosperity. This is a very, very sad thing that they're leading the people of God astray. They're making the people of God set their eyes on things that are immediate, things that are near-term, things that don't last. Brothers and sisters, don't set your hope on earthly leaders. Don't set your hope on a politician. Don't set your hope on a president. And don't set your hope on a pastor. These will all fail. Secondly, don't set your hope on an earthly kingdom. In chapter 4, verse 11, this is what Micah says. Now many nations are assembled against you, saying, let her be defiled and let our eyes gaze upon Zion. And this, boy, this is strong language here. Let her be defiled. And that word in the Hebrew is let her be made impure. Let her be made morally impure, stained. And we're going to gaze and gawk on her. We know that years later, the Babylonians would come in, and what would they do? They would take Jerusalem. They would take that city. They would destroy it. They would raise it. They would destroy the temple. Israel would not have their place any longer. 
And in verse 3 in our scripture today, it says, Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. He shall give them up. Do you realize that from that time onward, the Israel, the nation of Israel, they would lose their land. They would be held in captivity by the Babylonians, and then by the Persians, and then by the Greeks, and then by the Romans. We, we live, I still believe this, we, we live in the greatest country on planet Earth today. We do. But brothers and sisters, don't rest your hope here. Don't rest your hope in an earthly kingdom. And don't rest your hope on anything earthly or temporal for that matter. Things like your own strength and what you can achieve. Things like your status, position, wealth. Don't put your hope in vacations or promotions or degrees or getting into a relationship Some of you this morning are hoping to get out of a relationship. Don't put your hopes there. What happens if you put your hope in things that are of the earth? If you put your ultimate hope in those things and you don't get it, it's going to crush you. It's going to crush you. Think about this. What happens, though, if you get everything you ever hope for, get everything you've ever hoped for, what next? What hope do you have for the future? You know, I spent a little time poking around on the internet looking at all the famous, all the successful, all the powerful, wealthy people who took their own lives throughout history, and it's, it's staggering, this list. It's depressing. These people, they achieved everything they could ever want. And looking forward, they had no hope. We need a hope that will weather our failures and our successes. We need a hope that will endure both the bad times and the good times. Well, let's look lastly at hope's one true object. And so how do you have this kind of hope? What shall we place our hope in? How do you have a hope that's going to endure our failures and successes when we don't achieve what we want? Or maybe you're one of those people who achieved everything. How do we have that kind of hope? One that is confident. One that's going to last beyond the grave. Well, brothers and sisters, The only way we can have that kind of hope is by putting our hope in the only one who overcame, who conquered the grave and death, and that is Jesus, the eternal God. He's the one that conquered the grave. He's the one that lives forever. He's the one that you and I, we can be sure of, we can be confident of, that he is going to fulfill his promises to his people. True hope is in an eternal person, Jesus, in all that he promises. Jesus is where our hope should lie. He's not an earthly king with an earthly kingdom. He's an eternal, heavenly king with an everlasting kingdom. His reign is not temporary. His reign is forever. 
He conquered the grave. You know, in verse 2 in our passage today, it says this describing that ruler that would come from Bethlehem. His days was from of old, from ancient of days. How could it be? How could it be that the ruler to be born in Bethlehem would be one from of old, from ancient days? In John chapter 1, Verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the eternal God. Jesus is the one who existed from eternity past. Jesus was the one who put on flesh in Bethlehem. He existed forever, and we can have hope. We can have a lasting hope because Jesus is eternal. We can also put our hope in Jesus because God fulfills his promises to his people. He's a faithful God who keeps covenant with his people. Realize this, that promise in Bethlehem in verse 2 is fulfilled. 2,000 years ago is fulfilled. That promise in verse 4, it's going to be fulfilled. The God who fulfilled the promise in verse 2, he didn't change a couple verses later in verse 4. He's going to fulfill his promises to his people. He's the unchangeable, faithful God. Hebrews 10 says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we have, we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. We can have hope. God keeps his promises to his people. Well, maybe you've come this morning and you've lost hope. Maybe it's because you didn't achieve the things that you wanted. Or maybe you're one of those rare people who have achieved everything. Maybe you've been beaten up by the things of this life and, and you've gone through a rough patch. You've gone through the valley. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, I want to I encourage you to refocus your hope on Jesus our God and Savior, our eternal God and Savior, Jesus. Restore your first love. Remember what he's done for you. Remember that you are beloved. You belong to him. You belong to him. He loved you so much that he laid his life down willingly for you so that you could have everything. Believer, this morning, put your hope back on Christ. And if you've come here this morning, and you're wrestling with Christianity and the claims of Christianity and you're thinking beyond the grave and you're thinking, you know, I hope that God looks at the good things I've done and those things outweigh the bad things. I want to reason with you this morning, can we be real? That, that that's not a confidence. That's not a full assurance of hope. That's not something that you could bank on God is a holy God, and sin cannot be in his presence. Sin has to be dealt with, and that's why Jesus put on flesh to live the perfect life for you and to die for your sins, to take away your sins. He nailed it to the cross. And because of the work that he's done, you can inherit his perfect righteousness if you set your hope on him, the one who overcame the grave, the one who conquered the grave. 
Scripture says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, everyone who calls on his name will be saved. And that's a promise that our great God makes, and it's a promise he will fulfill. You can take it to the bank. And so Christmas, Advent, this Advent season, you know, it's strange. We talk about hope looking forward. Advent, when we look at at Christmas, we're actually looking back. But hope is not found looking just at that event. It's found by looking at the eternal God, Jesus, who spans all of time. Jesus alive in the past, Jesus alive right here and now, Jesus alive in our future. He's the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. He will come again. He will advent again. And when Jesus comes again, all of God's promises will find their ultimate fulfillment in him. And brothers and sisters, you and I can rest and fully trust that Jesus will make it so. Would you pray with me? Father God, you are the great eternal God. You're the faithful God who keeps promise with his people, and we can trust fully in your promises, and we know that in Jesus, all of your promises find their fulfillment. And Lord, this morning I pray that your people would take their eyes off of the earthly, take their eyes off the immediate, and set it on the eternal hope found in your son, Jesus. And I pray for the one this morning who may not know you, that they might find life in your son. And Lord, I pray for the one this morning who has come, who maybe has lost all hope. I pray that you would meet them in a special place. I pray that you would draw them out. I pray that they would have the courage to talk to one of the pastors here or a friend. Lord, we love you. We worship you. You are the great God. We give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.